Dressed to Kill, Fashion in Tudor and Stuart, England. Imagine it was illegal for you to wear designer clothes unless you had a title. In the Tudor period, the finest clothing was restricted to nobles and royals. Expensive clothes were a mark of power and status and so banned to the lower orders. You were punished if you broke the rules and actors were particularly disapproved of because they so often did exactly that. Meanwhile, amongst the powerful, the competition to look good was acute. Clothes in this period were not just a story of high fashion, but also of high politics. In Tudor and Stuart England, you really were what you wore. I am the historian Leander Delisle. I'm covering the Tudors and Stuarts behind the myths. After Henry VII, the first Tudor king, won the Battle of Bosworth against Richard III in 1485, almost the first thing he did was to ask his mother to send him a good suit of clothes. A king was expected to look like a king, and he wanted to make sure he did when he entered London for the first time as king in his silks and velvets and jewels. Perhaps the most famous stone owned by the Tudors was a huge diamond known as the Mirror of Naples. The diamond had been a gift from the aged Louis XII of France to his bride, Henry VIII's 18-year-old sister Mary, and was hung with a pear-shaped pearl beneath it the size of a pigeon's egg. When Louis died a few months after the marriage, some said from overexertion in the bedroom, she smuggled it out of France as a gift for Henry. Mary had married again to her lover without the king's permission and needed to regain his goodwill. Her ploy succeeded. Henry was described wearing the stone just over a fortnight later on St George's Day. A visitor was invited into the royal presence at Richmond Palace. Through sundry chambers, all hung with the most beautiful tapestry, figured in gold, silver and in silk. On either side were three hundred of the guard, in silver breastplates and pikes in their hands, and by God they were as big as giants. At last, the diplomat was introduced to Henry, who stood leaning against his golden throne. He was tall, very handsome, with cropped auburn hair and a complexion very fair and bright. He wore a cap of crimson velvet tied with loops and gold enamel tags, a doublet striped in red and white satin and a flowing mantle of purple velvet. But what dazzled the diplomat most was the jewel hanging from a gold collar worn close around his neck. A round-cut diamond the size of the largest walnut I ever saw from which was suspended a most beautiful and very large round pearl. A king's wife and his courtiers were also expected to reflect his glory. When Henry VIII fell in love with Anne Boleyn, one of the things that appealed to him was that Anne was one of the best-dressed women at court, with a love of French style. Equally, when he met his fourth wife, Anne of Cleves, he was so appalled by her hideous German dress with its bands of contrasting fabric, that he was rendered impotent. And eventually, the marriage was annulled on grounds of non-consummation. But it was important also not to be too well-dressed. 
monarchs had a right to dress above all others so that their dignity might be worshipped. When Elizabeth I grew old, she had to work extra hard to look better than courtiers, who, it was said, dressed more richly than the proudest Persian. Even their plainest suits were worn with beaver hats, gilded daggers, silk garters, stockings and cloaks. One day, Elizabeth became so irritated by the envious attention being attracted by a maid of honour's wonderful gold and pearl-embroidered velvet gown that she demanded to dress in it herself. It was far too short for her, and as she showed it off, she asked the owner if she agreed it was ill-becoming. When the girl admitted it was, Elizabeth snorted, Why then, if it become not me as being too short, it shall never become thee as being too fine, so it fits neither of us well. The girl was never able to wear her dress again at Elizabeth's court. Elizabeth was particularly angry because she realised that having a maid of honour outdo her in dress was a sign of weakness. She was old, time was running out for her, and as she had once said, people worship the rising over the setting sun. Already her courtiers were making contact with her heir, the Stuart King James in Scotland. She wore makeup an inch thick to hide her wrinkles, while her costume was designed to dazzle onlookers and deflect attention from the signs of her ageing. In February 1603, just a few weeks before she died, the Venetian ambassador was granted an audience. He was amazed by her crumbling magnificence as she rose to greet him, dressed in silver taffeta trimmed with gold. Her hair was of a colour never made by nature, he said, and she wore great pearls, like pears around her forehead. She had a coif arched around her head and an imperial crown and displayed a vast quantity of gems and pearls on her person. Rubies, diamonds and round her wrists, double rows of pearls. After she died, the glittering bling of the English Tudor elite came as quite a shock to the Stuart James I, who had been king of a poverty-stricken Scotland. He had always dressed plainly and claimed he hated men with long hair and cannot abide above all earrings. In England, the courtier Sir Walter Raleigh liked to wear not only pearl earrings, but pearl hatbands, pearl-embroidered suits and even pearl-embroidered shoes. Raleigh had one pair worth £6,000. Surrounded by such glamour, James realised he now had to up his game. There is a portrait of his wife, Anna, at the National Portrait Gallery, wearing a jewelled bow and arrow in her hair that had belonged to Elizabeth and that James sent to her in Scotland as a gift before the old Tudor Queen was even buried. Elizabeth also owned a diamond called the Mirror of France, which may have been the original Mirror of Naples, once owned by Henry VIII, and which had come from France. A jewel matching its description features in a portrait of Anna. Meanwhile, James was soon described as wearing chains of diamonds, and at Christmas 1603, Anna was rummaging through the 1,900 items of clothing listed in the late Queen Elizabeth's wardrobe. Each was so valuable they were judged state treasure. For Anna, cut them up for fancy dress costume. A dead queen has no power. 
It was out with the old and in with the new. This, at least, fashion never changes. If you would like to know more about the Tudors and Stuarts, you may enjoy my books, which you will find on my website, leanderdelisle.com and all good bookstores. The title of the latest, White King, refers to the dress Charles I was said to have worn at his coronation. You may also contact me via my website, Facebook or Twitter. Order. Order from-